Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come again this morning. We come, Lord, to hear from you that we may worship you accordingly, that we may approach you the right way in the way that you have appointed for us to approach you, that is through your only Son, Jesus Christ, who is the only mediator between you and us. We honor you and we thank you for your word that you have recorded for us through Apostle John. And Lord, we now seek what you would have us understand, what you would have us to know about Christ and why Christ. Because it seems many people think salvation can be had whichever way they imagine. They do not know the truth that you've given us in the scriptures. That no man shall be justified outside faith in Christ. And Lord, now we seek understanding to your word. May you bring understanding to the hearts and minds of your people for the sake of Christ and for the sake of his gospel. And we pray in his precious name. Amen. When John 3, verses 31 to 36. John 3, verses 31 to 36. And this is the final record that we have of words that have been attributed to John the Baptist. But I have some things to say about that before we can go to the main teaching that the Lord has given me to share today. So we'll go to John 3, verses 31 to 36, and read and hear what the apostle has for us. And this is what it reads, verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Verse 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. May the Lord give us understanding to his word. Amen. Apostle John has given us the last testimony of John the Baptist, as we learned from the previous verses last week. John has reminded his disciples that he is not the Christ, and yet again he pointed them to Christ. And we learned that the true man of God always always points God's people to Jesus. They don't point anybody 
to someone else who is not Christ, they are quick to say, I am not the Christ, go to him. He is the one who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In this section, we have more testimony of who Jesus is. We have a testimony of what work God has given to Christ to do. But by reading what we have here, as I have observed, it's very difficult to say whose words were they. It's difficult to say these were the words of John the Baptist. From my reading of the book of John, it is most likely that these words are the words of Jesus himself that have been attributed to John the Baptist. And I am going to show you why I think that's the case. But in any case, I'm not saying these are not the words of the Lord. However, the Lord has determined to give them to us, whether through the mouth of John the Baptist or through the Lord himself, they are talking about Christ. They are leading us to Christ. So I'll go into a number of verses just to show you my argument that these last words in John 3 are most likely the words of the Lord himself and not of John the Baptist because of the language that was used and the theology that was used by John the Apostle in recording this. If we go, for instance, in John 3 verse 31, go to John 3 verse 31, which is the, the first verse that we, we read from John this morning. It says, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. That verse corresponds with John 3 verse 12 and 13. Look at John 3, 12 and 13. John 3, 12 and 13 reads, If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So both these set of verses are making a distinction between heaven and earth, and the superiority of heavenly things, and the one who has come from heaven. And this is Jesus' talk. This is Jesus' talk. This is Jesus' language. But let's see what is said in verse 36 again of John 3. Verse 36 of John 3. It says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And this corresponds or is parallel with John 3.18, the words of the Lord as he was talking to Nicodemus. And this is what John 3.18 says. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So you see, these are parallel verses. We are talking about how one attains life 
It's about believing in the Son. It's about faith in the Son. And that's how you get to see life. And if you don't believe, you are condemned. It's exactly the same verse. In John 5. In John 5, verses 17 to 23. This is what Apostle John says about what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He says from verse 17 of John 5. But Jesus answered them, talking to the Jews. My father has been working until now, and I've been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Listen to verse 20. For the father loves the son. The father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Listen to this. Go to verse 22 and 23. For the father judges no one, but is committed all judgment to the son that all should honor the son just as they, as they honor the father. Listen to John 3, 35 to 36 for the parallel verses. John 3, 35 to 36. The father loves the son. That's the same thing as John has told us in, in John five twenty. For the father loves the son and shows him all things. And in John chapter 3, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So both chapters talk about salvation and judgment being in Christ alone as God's way of honoring Christ and as God's way of giving all things to Jesus because he loves Jesus. So what is my argument? My argument is that these last verses from John 3, 31 to 36 are not the words of John the Baptist. They are the words of Jesus. But they could still be the words of John the Baptist because when John the Baptist was speaking about the things of Christ, he was speaking by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit would still make the same testimony of who Jesus is. So it's not anything. I thought that it was interesting to just think about it as I was reading it, I was like, no, this cannot be the words of John the Baptist. It sounds to me from how John has recorded the things of the Lord for us that those will be the, the words of the Lord himself. Okay. So with that introduction, with that glorious introduction, let's go to our text for the day. And I have titled our sermon for today, the Jesus that God loves. The Jesus that God loves or the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son and we dive into John 3, 31. John the Apostle 
wants us to know who Christ is. It's John the Apostle by the Holy Spirit who is weaving this story and presenting a picture of Jesus for us that we may know him and believe in him. So all these accounts are building one story and the story is Jesus Christ is the Son of God and your eternity, your well-being, your life rests on what you say or don't say about him. So John tells us that Jesus Christ is the one who descended from heaven. He, he who comes from above is above all. He has come from above. He came from above. He came from heaven, which means Jesus existed before he came to earth. When we say Matilda comes from Cincinnati, she's coming from Cincinnati, but she's from Zimbabwe. So she only could come from Cincinnati because she pre-existed her living in Cincinnati. She was already living in Zimbabwe before. So when Christ comes as the one who is coming from above, it's saying he pre-existed his being born and taking up human flesh. But coming from heaven alone does not qualify Jesus to be above all. Because John has told us that he who comes from above is above all. Just coming from heaven does not automatically make anybody above all. There has to be more about the person and nature of Jesus that makes him qualified to be above all. We know angels do come from heaven. But nowhere in the Bible are we told that angels are above all. But given the very lofty introduction that John has given us of Christ in John chapter 1 and told us that in the beginning was the Logos, the Word of God, who was in the beginning with God. This Logos who created all things. This Logos who is the light and the life of man. This Logos who has a higher rank than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist has told us that he is so unworthy when it comes to Christ to even untie the strap of his sandal. So the above all of Jesus is telling us more about the person of Jesus. Jesus is above all because Jesus is God. Because only God alone is above all. Jesus is above all who are on earth and in heaven. But for us to understand that, we have to go a little bit theological. When it comes to the nature of being, of moral beings, we have three kinds or natures of being that are moral. We have God, we have angels, and we have man. We have God, we have angels, and we have man. And we know that God is above all. Why? Because he is the one who created all things. The angels and men only 
have their existence and being from God because he is the one who created them. So God is above all. So by that statement that the one who comes from above is above all, John is telling us that Jesus Christ is God. So much for people saying, Jesus never said he was God. They just don't know how to read the Bible. So being above all and having all authority over all things is saying Jesus is of the same order of nature and being as God. It is saying that Jesus is God, the Son. I always want to make that qualification. When, when people say Jesus is the Son of God, that means everything and anything. If you want to know what people actually believe about Jesus, say Jesus is God the Son, then you know. If they say Amen, then you know you're talking about the same Jesus. But in John 10, verses 29 to 30, Jesus says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Jesus was talking about the security of those that the Father had given him and saying, I'm not going to lose any. Why? Because my Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. A lot of people, when they hear Jesus making statements of him submitting to the Father, they take them to mean that Jesus is a lesser person. He is not God. Rather, they think he is an exalted angel of some sort. That's not what Jesus is saying. Even though Jesus submits to the Father as the Son, he does that not as an inferior being, when Christ says he's submitting to the Father, he's not saying I am an inferior being to God. But he is saying, I love my Father, so I obey him. Jesus is not inferior to the Father like humans and angels are inferior to God. Jesus is not inferior to anything or to anybody. He is God. He submits because he loves the Father, and the Father loves him. And here Jesus has told us in John 10, 29-30, that him and the Father are one. And he is equal with God because he is God. Your children submit to you because you are the parents. And because they love you. Not because they are inferior beings to you. Because when you are talking about pound for pound and ounce for an ounce, your children are of the same order of nature as you are. You are exactly the same as your children. When it comes to the order of nature as human beings, you are not superior to your children in any way. The only difference is your children are submitting to your authority. So when Christ submits to the Father, he is not saying I'm an inferior being. Rather, he is saying I love my Father and I submit to my Father. So Jesus is of the same nature 
of God because he is God. But not only that, I want to give an example again of this submission structure because I talk to a lot of people and I hear Mormons, I hear some Christians who say, well, Jesus is just an exalted angel. And what they are not understanding is that within the Godhead, there's an authority and submission structure. Not because anybody is inferior, but just, just how God works. In your house, if you have a cat, a cat is inferior to you, is inferior to your children because it is of a lower nature of being. Your cat is submitting to you not because it loves you, it submits to you because it belongs to a lower nature of being. Your children submit to you because they love you, but they belong to the same order of nature as you are. When they grow up to be adults, they will be exactly the same as you are when they have reached their full stature. And the same applies to Christ. Christ possesses everything that is God, everything that is said of God, everything that God is, Christ is. But not only has Christ pre-existed before he came to earth, he comes to earth as one who is already above all. He did not become above all after his exaltation. He comes to earth as God who was already above all. And being pre-existent does not prove deity. Because we know by these statements that John is telling us that Christ has pre-existed his coming and taking up human flesh. We know Abraham pre-existed Christ. But we are never told that Abraham was superior to Christ. And as I said, the angels pre-existed the incarnation of Christ. But again, we are not told that the angels are superior to Christ. If anything, this is what the writer of Hebrews says about the Son. Our sermon is about Jesus today. Our sermons are about Jesus. We have to love to talk about Jesus. And the doctrine that we are getting from these words from John are central to our salvation. They are central to our hope. Because if Christ is not God, your salvation is still not done. You are still in your sins and you have no hope. So, this is the most distinguishing factor of our profession. That God came in the flesh and he lived and died and resurrected. If you remove that, then you have no hope. You have no gospel. So, we have to affirm that Christ, to be savior, he has to be more than an angel. Christ is above the angels. The angels actually do worship Christ. So the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews 1, verses 5 to 13, this just happens to be one of my favorite places to go. Hebrews 1, verses 5 to 13. The writer of Hebrews is, is arguing for the superiority of Christ, the superiority of the new covenant, the superiority of the work of Christ. And he says, the work of Christ 
and the work of salvation is complete and perfected because of who Christ is. He is superior above all. He is the express image of God. But not only that, he has inherited an excellent name, a name which is above the angels. And if anything, God has commanded the angels to worship him. And only he who is God is worshipped. You don't worship man. You don't worship angels. You see that in the Bible. So, if we say Christ is not God, then we are committing blasphemy when we worship him. Christ has to be God. And this is what the text says. Hebrews 1, 5-13. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, verse 7, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. So the writer of Hebrews tells us what role or what work angels have been given to do. They are just ministering spirits. Verse 8, but to the Son, but to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. To the Son, he says, O God, to the Son. Listen to this. Verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God. Christ here is in view. Therefore, God, your God, your God the Father, and God the Son. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. That is saying, this Son who died and resurrected, who is the high priest of our confession, who is the one who made the new covenant in his blood, is the one who laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a clock. You will fold them up and they will be chained, but you are the same and your years will not fail. That is saying Christ is God. He's talking about his unchangeableness, his immutability. But to which, listen to this. But which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Not a single angel. It's Christ. So what are we saying? This one who is from above pre-existed all and is above all and he created all and so is above all because he is God. This one is not, this one is not the brother of Lucifer, as the Mormons would say of Jesus. This one is not an exalted angel, as both the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses would say about Jesus. And even, surprisingly, some professing group of Christians are saying the same thing. This one that we are talking about has no birthday, he has no birth certificate, because he existed before all things. 
his birth certificate only is according to his human nature when he was born to take up human nature. Not according to his deity. According to his deity, he is God from everlasting to everlasting. So he was in the beginning with God and is the word of God and he is God. But he comes and speaks of heavenly things and not earthly things. Christ profits you nothing if you don't know who he is. Who do you say that I am? That's what makes or breaks salvation. If you have a lesser Christ, whatever else you claim he did for you, profit you nothing. So he says, he who comes and speaks of heavenly things and not earthly things. He comes and he speaks heavenly things and not earthly things. Those from the earth like Nicodemus and yourselves and myself can only speak of earthly things. Those of the earth can only speak of the darkness of the earth because that's all we have and that's all we can give. But he who comes from heaven he speaks heavenly things. He brings the light of heaven. He brings the light that is in himself, the light that cannot be extinguished. He is the one who spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. He is the one whose light is the life of man. And he comes and he turns water into wine, not as to be invited to parties but to say, this is the beginning of a new creation. This is the beginning of a new life. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. You need a new circumcision, not done with the hands of man, but by the hands of God. So you must be born anothen. You must be born from above, from the beginning, by the one who gave you life, in the beginning. And even though you may misunderstand this work, this is the work of God. It only happens by the work of God. The wind blows where it wishes, but you can't control it. And if any born in the wilderness have to live, they need to look at him. The raised logos. The raised word of God, the crucified Christ. If any born in the wilderness have to live, they need to look at him. The raised logos, the raised word of God, the crucified Christ. And Nicodemus, a good rabbi, is not enough to remove your sin. He has to be more than a good teacher come from God. He has to be the one who has descended from heaven and also is able to ascend back to heaven. Christ is the one who has connected this world and heaven. He is the ladder. And for you to have that kind of ladder, that's a very big ladder. And it takes one who is God to bridge the difference between the earth and heaven. And bring you to heaven. And as we say that. 
men do not know that they have a ladder problem. The ladders that men have are all short. They can't reach heaven. That's why you need Jesus Christ. And that's why he came from heaven and came to earth. And he bridged the difference for you. But those who are of the below, that is of the earth like Nicodemus, they fail to understand the things of light. Those who are of the below like the master of ceremony in John 2 fail to understand the light and the work of the new creation so they can only praise the bridegroom for the abundance of free good wine. But they fail to see the Jesus of the wine. They came to the bridegroom and they were just praising him for the good wine. And Jesus was in their midst and they could not come and say, Lord, can we follow you? They missed Jesus even though they got the goodies that Jesus brought. And even many in our time and day fail to recognize the importance of the raised Christ, the lifted Christ, and only rejoice at the physical provision of the wine and they get drunk on God's blessing and yet Christ leaves them in their drunkenness and they fail to seize him spiritually as to be saved by him. The prosperity gospel leaves many people in the abundance of the wine but they fail to see Christ who brings the wine of salvation. They fail to see him as to lay their hands on him by faith that they may be saved. But this one from above says in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. These are words coming from Jesus. These are words coming from one who is from above. He is saying, a skunk only gives birth to a skunk. A skunk never gives birth to a baby rabbit. Only rabbits give birth to rabbits. And not to cats or to raccoons. The Lord said in Luke 6.44, For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. To get a different fruit from a tree, you need to change the nature of the tree. And so the Lord will again say, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. So the flesh yields flesh, death to death. If you are born of the earth, you belong to the earth. And the earth has nothing to give you but death. Death is the payment for one who is of the earth. Unless someone brings something different, someone brings the spirit, because the spirit is life. And when you have the spirit of life, you also have life. So that which is born of the flesh is earthly and will remain under darkness and condemnation unless a new birth is given. 
that which is born on earth, no matter how noble, no matter how beautiful, no matter how exalted by man, profits nothing. It can only lead to death. There's nothing that those born on this earth can do to lift themselves out of their misery unless the one who is from above is lifted up on the cross. Because remember, John is telling us that this one who has come from above is coming to be what? To be the Lamb of God. And before he even takes us to the cross, he is telling us about him being raised up. Right in John 3, he's talking about him dying on the cross. So this one who is from above comes with the mind, with the understanding that his work was to come and die, to be that sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. So when he is lifted up, those who are dying in the wilderness of the bite and the venom of sin shall look at him and live. The Spirit gives life and the flesh profits nothing. Let's hear more about the testimony of the one who is from above. Because what we have in the Bible is the testimony of the one who is from above. He is telling us about his own backyard. If you want to hear more about Zimbabwe, you talk to Sister Matilda afterwards. She will tell you the things that happened in her backyard. Because that's where she, she is from. And if you want to hear about what happens in the backyard of heaven, you talk to Jesus. He knows what is going on in heaven. So let's hear the testimony of the one who is from above. Verse 3, sorry, John 3, verses 32 to 34. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The one who is above all, that is the Lord Jesus, testifies of what he has seen and heard, but no one receives his testimony. And no one can receive the testimony of Jesus by their own power and will of decision. But what has he seen and heard? Jesus has seen the things of heaven and how heaven works. And how one can be qualified to enter heaven because that is his message. He has seen and heard that God is holy and righteous. But he has also seen and heard that those on the earth do not know that. And they don't care. He has seen and heard that there is no life on earth. All who are on earth are dying and they are perishing and are condemned. He has seen the spiritual darkness that is on earth. He has seen and heard that unless those on earth look up to him, they shall perish. He has seen and heard that the earth is a wilderness and those who are walking on it are going to die and are the walking dead. But he has seen and heard that if they have to live, 
they have to believe in him who is the son of God. He has seen and heard that those on the earth cannot be set free by their own will, by their own doing, by their own efforts, but by the will and grace of God. None of those on the earth are okay with God because of their natural descent or ancestry or their race or their tribe. Unless they are born again, they will not see life. He has seen and heard that those who are on the earth need to be born again. And this only by the will of God. And for those who have been born again, it is well with them. But no one receives his testimony. No one receives his testimony. But none of those who are on the earth receive his testimony. Why? Because they are born dead in trespasses and sins. None on the earth receive Jesus' testimony because they are the fallen in Adam. They are sinners in Adam. And yet men will talk about psychology and they will talk about just you need to look to yourself and have some self-confidence. You are lacking in self-confidence. That's the only problem that you have. If that can be solved, then your life will be good and glorious. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You need to be born again. You need to be born again to have the confidence to meet with one who is holy and righteous. The ones who are on the earth do not receive the testimony of Christ because fallen men can receive nothing unless it has been given them from heaven. None can receive his testimony until God has performed a work in them and given them the ability to believe in him. They have to be born again. This is the heart of the gospel message. You have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. But some sinners, even though they claim to profess Christ, continue to not receive his testimony of himself. They continue to not receive the testimony that God has made of his own son. The testimony that no man shall be accepted. No man shall be justified by God by any works of the flesh. But only by faith in Christ only by believing will you ever see life. The testimony that none is good and they should stop trying to be good and stop trying to please God because God is already happy with Christ. And for all those who are in Christ, God is already happy of them because of what Christ has done for them. Yet we see sinners trying to squeeze their way, trying to find a way to squeeze themselves into the work of Christ. They will continue to build their own things, their own towers of Babel, they're building their own ladders, so that if possible, they might get to heaven. They continue to make their own idols in their own idol factories, to make their own gods. Their gods 
that answer to them. The, the God who ran every time they issue a command to have their own idols who worship them. And as John Calvin said, our hearts are idol factories. <laughs> the hearts of men are idol factories. And we are masters at constantly churning out idols of various kinds and sizes. And our idol factories never close down. And they are never short of workers. They never go on vacation. Whether in our sleep, we are constantly churning out idols. And when we are talking about idols, we are talking about things that we put confidence in for our acceptance by God. So your 401k can be your idol. Your marriage could be your idol. Your spouse can be your idol. Your job could be your idol. Even the nation, the country, America can be your idol. You're thinking all your hope is in this country. And God says, no, your hope has to be in Christ. If you have to see life. And we have to ask the Lord to give us understanding of what Jesus is saying. He is saying there is absolutely no hope in anything that we can do for ourselves or anybody. There is nothing that we can do for ourselves or for anybody other than to point them to the one who saves. We have to point them to the one who saves. But John tells us that, but he who received the testimony of Jesus certifies that God is true. Those who have laid hold on Christ as to take possession of his testimony do certify, they confess and agree with God that God's testimony of Christ is true. For God cannot lie. We are liars because we are sinners. And we are liars because we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the wisdom, we don't have the power to accomplish anything that we promise to do. But what God has promised to accomplish in Christ, that is what he has done and that's what he is doing. And those who receive Jesus' testimony receive the testimony of God. So in verse 34 of John 3 we are told for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God does not give the spirit by measure so the one that God has sent he speaks the words of God why? because Jesus is the Logos he is the word of God he speaks the words of God because he is God and if you want to know about what God thinks about everything Hear what Jesus says. You're not hearing anything new from some prophet who is coming and just making up things. If you really want to know what God has said, hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus had the fullness of the Spirit. And because he had the fullness of the Spirit, he speaks truth 
not in half measures, but in its fullness. God gave Christ the fullness of the Spirit because Christ is God. He can have the fullness of the Spirit. So he speaks as God and he speaks as the Holy Spirit who is in him. So the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Verse 35. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. God the Father loves God the Son, and because he loves the Son, he has given all things into his hand. The expression of God's love for Christ is that he has given all creation into the hands of Christ. Because when you truly love someone, you can't help but give them everything there is to give. And that's what God has given to Christ. And he has given us to Christ because he loves Christ. And at the Mount of Transfiguration, God the Father tells Peter, James and John, and says in Luke 9.35, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And at the baptism of the Lord, a voice came from the Father and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's Matthew 3.17. My brothers and sisters, God the Father loved the Son and has always loved the Son. God has determined from all of eternity that you cannot approach him outside his son. Jesus Christ is the face of God and is the center of the universe. And God says, you can't talk to me, you can't talk to me outside my own son. And the son says, I am the truth, the way and the life, and no one comes to the father but by me. God is jealousy for Christ, and that is why any who deny the gospel deny God's testimony of his own son. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man because God loves the son. Jesus is the only way of salvation because God loves the son. And there are no multiple ways of salvation because God only has one son, whom he loves in a unique way, his only begotten son. And because he loves him, he has committed all things, including the giving of life, salvation, and judgment into the hands of the son. God is delighted in his son. Salvation of sinners is about Christ and not about you not going to hell. Not going to hell is just a secondary benefit. Our biggest benefit in Christ is not that we are not going to hell. Our biggest benefit is we are going to behold his glory that he had with the Father before the foundation of the world. And this is something to look forward to because heaven is only heaven because Christ is there. Salvation is God's plan so that the son may be honored. Adam could not be honored for his righteousness 
because he is a man and is not the son of God in the way that Christ is the son of God. Jesus, the son of God, has to be honored for his righteousness because his righteousness is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of Adam was going to be the righteousness of man and you need the righteousness of God to be in the presence of God in eternity. You need an everlasting righteousness. You need a righteousness that does not run out. The righteousness of man runs out. And that's what God has given us in Christ. God loves the Son. And that is why salvation is by grace alone. And is by faith alone. And in the Son alone. Not in any other sons or any other prophets. And people will try to hide in the name of God. And they say, well, I believe in God. And yet they deny the son. When you have conversations with people, you can talk about God. But as soon as you bring Jesus, all hell breaks loose. Why? Because you can't talk about God without talking about the son. Salvation is not in Muhammad. It's not in the Hindu gods. It's not in anything that man has crafted in their own mind. It's only in the sun. Your own works of righteousness cannot bring you salvation because the father loves the son. And his works alone shall be exalted. And this is serious business. When you gather as Christians, you are only gathering because of the Son. You are only coming to hear about the Son and what He has done for you to be accepted by God. God is so much into the glorification of Jesus. And we are told here that the Father has given not some things to the Son, but all things. But how is the Son able to hold all things if he's just an exalted angel? How is he able to hold all things if he is just an exalted angel? That statement is saying Jesus Christ is God. Because if Jesus Christ is not God, he can't handle all things. He gets overwhelmed. You can't, you can't even handle things in your own kitchen. You get overwhelmed by putting order in your own bedroom. And you think a man can handle all things that God has given him? No, it can't be done. Unless this one, that God has given all things, is also God. And we know that he is God because the writer of Hebrews says, He holds all things by the word of his power. Christ holds all things by the word of his power. And because he is God and he holds all things, God is summing up all things in Christ, things in heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth. Everything is being summed up in Christ. So now to your relationship with the Son. Because it's there in the text. What is your relationship with the Son? Having heard all this about the Son, having heard that 
God does not want to talk to you outside his son. God does not hear you if you try to talk to him outside his son. He hears you, but he doesn't hear you. Your relationship with God and the son depends not on what you do for the son. I'll say that again. Your relationship with God and the son depends not on what you do for the son. But it depends on what the son has done for you. John 3.36. That will be our last verse. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. He is now talking about your response, your relationship to the son, your relationship with what God has said about his son. Your life and your eternity depend only on what you say about Jesus. Your eternity and salvation depends on only believing in the son of God. Life is only given when you believe in the Son of God. Life is only given when you forsake all your righteousness. Forsake your righteousness and in place take the righteousness of Christ by faith. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. They now present possess eternal life. You actually possess eternal life right now if you are in Christ. You do not wait for when you die to possess life in Christ. It has to be had right now because if you try to have it after you die, you are already dead. But if you already have Christ right now, you can't die because you have life. So faith has been given so that you may possess eternal life. Faith is God's receipt. It's God's ticket to tell you that you belong to Christ. Faith in Christ is the ticket. That's the receipt that God has given you to say you possess eternal life. We possess life because God chose us in Christ to be recipients of his love for Jesus. We are loved by God, not because of ourselves. We are only loved of God because of Christ. Because God has lived for all of eternity without us. But God cannot live without Jesus. The difference between you and the person who is in hell is not you. The difference between you and the person in hell. There are actually people who are better than you who went to hell. The difference between you and the person who is in hell today is Jesus. If you remove Jesus, then you are going to hell. Jesus is the one who stands between heaven and hell. 
Jesus is the one who stands between salvation and condemnation. Life and death is Jesus. So God loves his son so much that he created all things so that he may give them to his son. So then, the things that have been created, including yourselves, are being given to the son. You are not giving anything to the son. You are the one who is being given to the son. So no one ends life by giving anything to Christ. You don't end life by giving anything to God. You end life by receiving it. You end life by receiving it. And you end life by grace alone and faith alone in the beloved Son of God, Jesus Christ alone. Eternal life cannot be end for anybody who has never had it. Eternal life cannot be end. Eternal life cannot be had because you just wish someone goes to heaven. Eternal life has to be freely given by God. And because it's freely given, you can only have it by faith. But here are the implications of the other statement of what we have been told in this verse. The implications of not believing in the Son, we are told here. If you seek to end life by yourself, then you do not love the Son. It is saying that you have better ways in yourself to end life outside what God has given in Christ. That is what you are saying when you think that you are good enough to be accepted by God. You are saying, I don't need Jesus. I can stand on my own. I have enough righteousness as to be accepted. So to add your works to salvation as to be accepted by God. Christians are going to have good works. But we don't have our good works as to be accepted by God. We have good works because we have been accepted by God in Christ. But if you have to add your works for salvation, to say, okay, I did this. So God, this is my path to heaven. God says, you do not love my son. Because if you love my son, the way that I love him, you have to believe in him. And you are saying, Christ cannot be glorified for his work of salvation by himself. You too have to come on the stage in heaven and stand beside Christ and share the glory of God in Christ because of your silliness that you did here. But we know that God won't share his glory with any other. And Christ is God. He's not sharing his glory. He will have you participate in his own glorification. He will have you come and behold his glory. But he's not giving you his glory. If we have to love Christ, we have to believe in him. Do you love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. How do you love Jesus? I believe in him. If you want to make God happy, you believe in the Son. And if sinners do not understand this, 
they will continue to work their way into hell. And to these who keep working, Jesus says in Matthew 7, 22, Many who say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And these people were not atheists. These were people professing Christians who knew about Christ, but they never removed themselves in the matter of salvation. They still looked at salvation as something that they accomplished themselves. So they come before him and say, Lord, didn't we do this for you? You have to accept us. I gave people five bucks in your name. I did. Jesus says, no, it doesn't work like that. If you have to be accepted into my blessedness, you have to believe in me. You have to stand on what I have done by myself. So Jesus says, he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So to refuse salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, we are very careful to always put those alones. We are very careful. It's very purposeful. It's not just by grace. It's by grace alone. It's not just by faith. It's by faith alone. It's not just in Christ, but in Christ alone. It has to be alone, 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 alone. Because Jesus is just alone. There's none like him. Or alone. And Jesus says, if you deny salvation by faith alone, in him alone, you will not see life. And if there's anybody who is qualified to tell you what life is and what life is not, is none other than Jesus. And he knows exactly what he means when he tells you that you are not going to see life. And you're thinking, does that mean I won't be able to drive a car? Jesus is saying way much more than that. Because there's judgment that is coming. The wrath of God, that's the judgment of God on those who do not receive the Son. If you do not receive the Son, he says, the wrath of God abides on you. The wrath of God, the judgment of God is resting on you so that if anything happens to you, a car accident, you die in your sleep, whatever happens to you, hell is waiting. The wrath of God is right there, hovering. It's like a shadow. It, it never leaves you. It's going with you. But he says, but you will be Saved if you believe in the true Son of God. And anyone who is less than the Son of God that John has presented to us cannot give you life. Christianity, Christianity is not just a matter of professing that you are a Christian. Christianity is not about things that we do and our own ideas of who Jesus is. Christianity is not about our politics. Jesus does not belong to any political party. Jesus is not about our programs. He's not about our ideas. Jesus is about himself. He's about God. He's about the glory of God. Christianity is about who God says Jesus is and believing in the Son of God who is God. 
and anyone who believes in a Jesus who is not God is not a Christian. It doesn't matter how long you've been going to church. It doesn't matter how long you profess to be a Christian. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ is God, you are not a Christian. I did not say they don't go to church. I said, if you don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God and as Lord and Savior, and the only way of salvation, you are not a Christian. Going to church does not make one a Christian. Singing in the church, giving to the church, feeding the poor, building schools, opera does that more than a lot of professing Christians. Taking care of your body and being good parents, being good children, all those things are good in themselves, but that is not how you become a Christian. Believing in the true Son of God is what makes one a Christian and saved. If you do not believe that Jesus is God, then you are not born again. Because the primary reason why you get born again is so that you can confess with God that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. For no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. And you are not born again so that you can wear long dresses or wear nice suits. There's a conduct that Christians are supposed to have because of their reverence for the Lord. But that's not salvation. Because people then start putting hope in their long dresses. That's not Christianity. Christianity, first and foremost, is all about Christ and what he has done to save his people. You have to ask God to show you Christ. Even myself, I continue asking God, show me the things of Christ, lest I may be deceived. Show me. Always ask God. Show me. Show me, Jesus, that I may believe in him. Give me the faith, Lord, that I may believe in him. Give me the new birth that I may see him, that I may receive him. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ is God, you will surely die and perish in your sins. We are not entitled to believe in whichever Jesus we want. God does not honor your sincerity and your foolishness. He only honors the testimony and truth that he has given about his son. That's what we've been told. And because of that, we will close this the way that we opened it. We will read John 3, verses 33 to 36. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. So the words that we have heard from Christ are the words of God. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. So which means everything that you are, everything that you possess 
is in the hands of Christ, whether you like it or not. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. If you're asking God if you have been blessed, he who believes in the Son has a husband. No. He who believes in the Son, he's the CEO of a company. He doesn't say that. They have a happy marriage. He doesn't say that. They don't get sick. He doesn't say that. He says they possess this one thing. They possess everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So if you believe in Jesus' testimony of himself, he says in John 17, 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your throne again. Lord, to honor you and thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, to whom you have given all things. You have given salvation and judgment into his hands that all may honor the Son as they honor the Father. And Lord, we have learned that the way to honor you and to honor your testimony of Christ is to believe in him. For he who believes in Christ has eternal life. And those who deny Christ, who deny your testimony of your son, will not see life and the judgment and the wrath of God abides on them. And Lord, we pray that you would cause all your people to be born again. May you give them the spiritual ability to see and receive the things of Christ. And Lord, we honor you and thank you for your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who teaches us and shows us the things of Christ. And we pray for your people whom we have gathered here that you may impart something to their hearts also that they may run to Christ. We pray, Lord, for your grace for the week ahead of us. And Lord, praying that you would also gather us together again. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.